talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt and we're recording in the morning so i feel I like we both sort of sound uh i know we I have know like npr that. voices now <laughs> we do uh shows just how slow i am to wake up because i have been up for like an hour now but yeah, i mean i have too but i haven't really talked to anybody yet yeah you know? or i guess <laughs> I, I definitely guess haven't it. talked to anybody you're the first person i'm so honored what a way to start your week your I monday know, i know uh, <laughs> my president's day how oh are you, yes how are yes. you celebrating the presidents shelby how am i celebrating them who's you your know? favorite president who's my favorite? i'm gonna plead the fifth on that one which is my right as an american um but yeah no thanks to those men who have given us a day off and um you know, women that just probably wouldn't be up is... for the job. You know, <laughs> they're sort of weak, emotional, don't really know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Better for really child emotional rearing. compared to dudes losing it left and right over Tubi commercials. And I, I don't know. <laughs> one of my teachers in high school who I think was saying this for very different reasons because he was like a crazy Republican, like libertarian guy. But he always mm. said that his favorite president was William Henry Harrison, who's the one who like caught a cold during yeah. his inauguration speech and died like two weeks very later be- yeah. because he was the president who did the least bad for the country. <laughs> that is like the most I can picture almost every one of my teachers in elementary through K through 12 saying something like that. So but now edgy. that I think about it, I am sort of like, um, well, yeah, it, it wasn't that negative. It's not you know? wrong. <laughs> well, in any case, this is our last week before your uh, extended vacation, your bougie trip across the world. Mm-hmm. And um, we celebrate that that opportunity for you, but mourn the episodes lost. Um so. I mean, it could be like my maternity leave. You can just bring yeah. on a parade <laughs> of people who you've been hiding like, someplace yeah, because you, I'm texting you knew me like, this. who wants to talk about 65? Is anyone anyone going to see this? Uh, hello? And everyone's <laughs> like, what? I've never heard of this movie. And then they watch the trailer and they're like, oh, yeah, no, actually, yeah, I'm, not. I'm like, good. Um, I'm good. You know, it's great, though. It's under two hours. So we're, we're nature is the William you know, Henry we're, Harrison we're leaving of movies. behind the three hour epic and returning to more palatable um action film length so hmm. praise be but we'll see if i drag up some dredge up some people to do some episodes poor penny forced to watch uh <laughs> 65 and do an episode on it yeah i'm just gonna immediately transition this into a taylor swift podcast and it'll just be <laughs> ashley when you get back you'll be like wait what our audience has completely shifted what's going on here and i mean i think our audience is made up of either A, people who are Taylor Swift fans anyways, or B, people who are like me and who don't like Taylor Swift and are just like <laughs> just listening for the mess. subtle jabs, you know? <laughs> That's fair enough. Well, I mean, should we get into it? Because I feel like there are some weird stories and fun moments and... Yes. We didn't do our pop culture roundup last week. So no, yeah. So there's some holdovers. It. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, I wanted to start by getting a live on air uh, semi racist take from you, Shelby. Oh, what do you think about the Little Mermaid uh, trailer <laughs> that dropped? You know, when I text you privately, uh, <laughs> it's meant to stay private. Um, <laughs> they did release the like another teaser. Yeah, because because I, I watched it this morning in preparation yeah. for this ambush, and oh, okay. good for you doing your homework. And I I watched like three different clips, and I or of of the ones that they've released, and I was like, wait, I, was there not a there wasn't a full trailer? We're all no. we're all up in arms about these like weird little teaser clip it thing. I don't want to say we're all up in arms. Okay, I I don't agree with that assessment of my feelings. It was more. I watched it and I was like, oh, you know, I think it comes from watching something like Avatar, The Ways of Water, and seeing what underwater work yes, can Yes, I look had like. the same thought. And then you watch this teaser and it's a lot more, you know, because the first one was just her in the cave looking up at the, I don't know, Sunlight. moonlight, water, whatever. Yeah. And so it's like very subtle water, but this one shows her like through the day talking to her fish friends and it just... It just looks a little cheap, you know, like, and that's the problem with these Disney live actions is that there's this rushed element to trying to capture the magic of the animated, but not putting in the money to actually make this CGI look good. And that's especially notable, noticeable when it's a water situation, which already struggles with CGI, you know, where it takes either a lot of time, a lot of money to get it looking good. Or it's kind of like, oh, let's just hurry past this and move on to something a little bit more detail-oriented. But I don't understand this because it's like Disney, from what I know, has loads and loads of money. You know, they're like a very very powerful studio, one of the the biggest in Hollywood. And as I was going to say, as we'll talk about in the (laughs) Thursday episode, uh, it's like they have two people who are constantly on a lunch break doing the visual effects for all of their (laughs) movies. They just look so bad. Yeah. And this trailer also looks bad. The, yeah. um, I mean, I think I've been on record of hating <laughs> nearly all of the Disney live They're action remakes, them, yeah. no matter who is cast in them. Um, and yeah, I think this looks bad. I think it looks like lazy and it's going to be the same problem with all of the other live actions that there, it's like a sort of, they sucked the magic out of the original and are just like giving us something boring. I mean, I think that, wait, is it Chloe or Hallie? Chloe. That's Chloe. That I think her voice is beautiful. I think she'll be good at the song. No, it's Hallie. 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 I was thinking of the next story. (laughs) Yes. No, I also, I I have the same problem. Um, And I think that uh, Melissa McCarthy will be fun as Ursula, but otherwise I'm sort of like, okay. Uh, yeah. This is gonna be bad, and the and all of the racist people on Twitter and you, um, no, no, uh, <laughs> well, at least I'm who are upset about them. other things no. on this. No, uh, I think she sounds great. I'm sure the music will be more palatable than like the Aladdin remake or whatever. Oh yeah, um, but it's just like, well, it's just it, watching it. I was like, man, it's sad that you can't criticize this without feeling like you're validating other people's stupid and worse criticisms when it's just like maybe we didn't need 
Maybe we didn't need any of these. Maybe we needed (laughs) some new, actual, good Disney movies. Like, give me another um, Encanto. I mean, I don't want Encanto, too, but I'm just saying. Oh, they're giving you another Toy Story and another, what was it? We're getting another Toy Story? Yeah, they announced they're doing a Toy Story 5 and a... Well, I saw the Lilo and Stitch uh, oh, yeah, live action. Lilo and Stitch live action, but they're doing another animated sequel. I can't remember what it is. Is it to Pixar? Is it Up? Up to? No, actually. Called Up no. Yours. Um, it could be. Uh, I think actually they did announce that Up was doing some sort of. Maybe that was a. Anyways, I, don't I feel know. like at some I point there was like an Up spinoff with yeah, the dog like or something guy, that was oh. coming out. <laughs> There was something with the dog, or maybe it was a short. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay, should we get to the other sister? Yeah. While we're here? Okay, so so wait. This was... Which one was this? this oh, was... Frozen 3 and Toy Story 5. Those were the two that were announced. Oh, yeah. We, we knew that a new Frozen yeah. was coming. That's not yeah. shocking in any way. <laughs> okay, wait. Which, which sister is in The Little Mermaid? So, Hallie. Hallie's in The Little Mermaid. Yeah. So, Chloe... Chloe... Posted this week that she is doing a musical duet. She's like releasing new music with none other than Chris Brown. Uh, Yeah. Which is, was like shocking to me, but then not shocking at the same time because it's like, okay, Chris Brown, obviously a domestic abuser, um, among other things, and (laughs) has been quote-unquote canceled but like we talk about on the podcast all the time being canceled is sort of a choice that you have for yourself on whether you want to (laughs) pursue that or not um he has chosen not to and so keeps making music (laughs) and i um i think his stuff initially was more uh you know sort of like a single like like or more like one-off him things or like him with like rappers um but now I feel like in the past couple of years, he's been doing more of his like high profile collaborations with like female artists that have uh, like, like he was sort of doing before all of this stuff, you know, with like Jordan Sparks and Rihanna and whatnot. Yeah. And from the research I did, it looks like most of the people who are signing up for this are also artists who work with Sony, which is the, um, label that he is under as well so i don't know how much of like of a push there is there from like the higher-ups of how you have to do this but it's especially jarring i think one that this announcement came the week of the rihanna super bowl performance where she was on top of mind for everybody and then two that it's coming from chloe and hallie who are you know sort of like the protégés of beyonce who is somebody who i think is obviously very thoughtful about her choices. You know, she's not like, I mean, (laughs) she used to earlier, but like in this phase of her career, she's, you know, picking, she's very picky about things. And I feel like this was an obvious, like was obviously going to get backlash and it has. And I'm sort of just surprised that they would venture into this territory. Um, Yeah. Cause then Chris Brown, reacted (laughs) and he's like posted a few instagram stories where he was shouting in all caps like if you all still hate me for a mistake i made as a 17 year old just kiss my whole entire ass i'm tired of this narrative y'all tune in to watch 
you know, fighters beat each other up every week for entertainment. And it seemed like it was referencing like a very take. specific <laughs> demographic of like specifically like black rappers getting a pass in ways that he hasn't. But then it's like you can't just pretend at this point that it's an isolated incident between Rihanna and Chris Brown. Um, you know, because sure, maybe there's something there where you should have time to grow. And, you know, if Rihanna's forgiven him, then maybe there's room. But that wasn't it. Like he he most his most recent relationships have also had horrific stories of abuse. And it seems like if there's this pattern of behavior with other women, then it's not just us holding over one single mistake when you were still a kid. Like now you you had a restraining order against you like a few years ago. So it seems weird that he's trying to pin it as just as one off. But then he was also like, look at all these white celebrities that have been accused or arrested for domestic violence. And they're still sort of chugging along. And it's like the saddest collection of dudes that sure still get work. But it's like, do you want to be associate like is this how you see yourself too because that might be saying more than you think it is yeah so yeah not a great look i don't know i don't even i don't like miss him right like it's not like it doesn't even seem like he's doing good work in the years since so i don't know i don't know why chloe wants to you know hold his star up in any way but yeah, it was funny. The when they when she announced it on her Twitter, all of the like comments and stuff underneath it were like, um, I'll sit this one out, but like have fun. Yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, no one's like, Oh my gosh, what a plot twist. Like, this will be such a great matchup. It's like, what what is he adding to this? I don't yeah, know. I don't understand it at all. It's like I feel like her fans are not going to like that in a lot of ways. And I just, there's so many people to collaborate with. I'm like, this, like, this is the person who you selected out of the thousands of musicians. Um, That's very silly. I don't get it. But um, did you watch the BAFTAs? I did not watch the BAFTAs, but I did have that on my list of things to talk about. Um, but did, did you, you see the clip of <laughs> Ariana DeBose doing? Yes, the the um uh, <laughs> the Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. <laughs> always serving. Yeah. I do I like Ariana DeBose it. because she is zany as hell. Um, but, but, but the opening number where she just like rattled off a bunch of the uh like nominees names was sort of a, a wild and moment absolutely it would cut to every single one of them and every single one of them seemed to be dying of secondhand embarrassment like and you know usually there are like it's sort of cringe like these musical performances but there's something fun and charming about them but this was just like no one was feeling it. She was struggling through it. The music was like too quiet. So it almost felt like just this freestyle rap. And it was very, very poorly put together. Like, I think I could write better bars, you know, and I it, I can't. Like, I yes. shouldn't be able to. But it was, it was the bare minimum. And it was like someone turning in a project that they remembered they had due at 3 a.m. Like, it was bad. It was also so fast that I feel like I had to watch it a couple of times to even figure out what she was saying at certain yeah. points. <laughs> and, I could, and I think that the audience, like, less of were... 
had secondhand embarrassment and more were just like confused. You know, it's like, <laughs> like she says something about Angela Bassett and they cut to her, but it's like, it's sort of, it's sort of like when you're out in a crowd and you like think someone here says your name, but you're not really sure. And you're just sort of like startled that I feel like is the look that everybody had on their face. They were like, wait, did they, did she Daniel just say something Day about me? But what me. was that? At? Like, I don't like, uh, what did she say something? about? Oh, oh, now she's talking about someone else. Yeah. Like it was just so fast, the cuts and everything. Yeah. Um, Honestly. But overall, the BAFTAs were sort of a little bit of a hot mess yeah. in general. Well, and it's sort of like seen as a precursor to – well, not a precursor, but it, it adds a data point for the Oscar predictions. Um, it, it is a precursor in some ways because the BAFTAs voting body does overlap with the yeah. Oscars. I mean, obviously, the BAFTAs are British and the Oscars are you know much more international than that. So there are a lot of people who – are not, you know, there are differences in the voting groups, but they are, it's not like the Golden Globes or something where it's completely separate. Yeah. And the BAFTAs several years ago had, you know, sort of like their own Oscars so white moment, but I think the BAFTAs are even worse than the Oscars in that regard. So the last couple years they've put in a bunch of different, um, mechanisms involving like juries and things in order to get their nominees more diverse. So this year, you know, they did have like Viola Davis and Daniel Deadweiler and people who the Oscars left off. Um, And the nominee list are yeah a little bit more uh, off the beaten path at times. They're taking smaller things into consideration. But then the winners themselves this year were a yeah. very, very white group of people. Um, and even a lot of the sort of quote-unquote favorites or leaders in groups lost to like whiter counterparts. Um, like Angela Bassett lost to... Um, who won that? The Banshees of Inishirin. Oh, yeah. To Carrie Condon. Kihi Kwan lost to Barry Keoghan from the Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah. But then it was weird because you would think that Colin Farrell would then have won for Banshees. Nope. Because obviously they like that movie. <laughs> but that went to Austin Butler for Elvis, which is like truly the most terrifying <laughs> dark timeline. Like when, when we were worried at the beginning of this award season that it was going to be Brendan Fraser who won for the whale over Colin Farrell for Banshees. I was like nervous, but now, but now I'm like begging for the whale to win that award over Elvis. Cause I think he's just so bad. And he's not, he's not as bad as it's not like watching Rami Malek. Like I don't, I don't want to have to go to bat for Elvis, but like Austin Butler, if you take him out of the movie and just have his performance as, Elvis, don't you think it was like good? I don't I I'm going to say no, but I don't <laughs> okay. know if that was because of the script itself or right. the or the performance cuz I remember us talking about this when the movie came yeah. out and saying like he is a character who you don't know anything about in this movie. Like you get yeah. to the end of Elvis and you don't you don't have a sense of like what he felt about things or or you know his character development he does not have that many lines in the movie <laughs> it's mostly other people doing things and him sort of just standing in the corner like looking numbers. sheepish and then his <laughs> lines that he does have are like <laughs> and really i mean like yes was the are the like musical sort of numbers that he has to perform well done yes does he look like elvis when he's doing his dance moves and whatnot yes but i don't <laughs> 
is that a performance that deserves an Oscar over some of these other, I think, much more nuanced roles that involve a lot of, you know, talking and acting and things besides like just getting into one weird accent and sort of mumble whispering for... I don't know. Paul Mescal, I didn't even know if he died or not, so... Is that even yeah, well, that's your problem, <laughs> Shelby. That was you, like, on the phone or, you know, making dinner or whatever while you were watching After Sun and not doing a close reading. Because I, I had, I've had multiple conversations with people since then, and they were like, oh, no, it was very clear. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I even read the Wikipedia article, and it said that he just abandoned her. No. We but anyways, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, Austin Butler won, Kate Blanchett won. So do you think that changes your guesses for the Oscars at all? It's hard to say because, yeah. I mean, the other th- big thing that happened was that um, all, the qu- all Quiet on the Western Front won Best Film and a bunch oh, of yeah. other sort of technical awards. Um, so... For the most part, really nothing except for, I guess, Kate Blanchett that w- was a perceived frontrunner won. Um, yeah, but isn't that always the British way? They're just like, mm, well, yeah, mm. and but usually they go for like if they if they're voting for things that aren't the frontrunners, they're going for more British things, and I yeah. and like ban so the Banshees wins. Um, over Angela Bassett and Kihi Kwan, I sort of am like, okay, I think that was just like a British thing. Um, the SAG Awards are this weekend and will, I think, have a much better sense coming from that because SAG is a awards body that includes lots and lots and lots of Oscar voters. Um, but I don't know. I am like slightly nervous, but then I feel like also sometimes this, like a loss early on can sort of galvanize the voters for people. Um, you know, like, I think if you think, oh, mm. Kiki Kwan has won every award, like, maybe we won't, maybe I'll, like, throw a vote someplace else instead because I think that he's going to win. Then that's how someone loses, like when Glenn Close lost. But I think now him losing this is going to have fans of everything everywhere being like, okay, we got to vote for him. Like, I'm not throwing a vote on somebody else for, like, <laughs> yeah. fun or whatnot, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I I think that the Michelle Yeoh-Kate Blanchett race is, like, really, really, really close yeah, And so I think that's just going to be like up in the air until the day of the Austin Butler thing, I think is really annoying, but I yeah. understand that old people like that movie. So, well, and again, it, it plays into the same like issue with voters, which is like lazy voters who are just like, well, he did a good, it, it, they have a marker to see how well he did. Right. Like it's like, yeah. oh, he looks like Elvis check. Like that's good acting check. And so they don't have to dig into any other performance and feel like, oh, well, was this better? Mm-hmm. So they love a biopic. But yeah, yeah no, it, it'll be interesting to see the lead up and through these other awards. And then obviously the Oscars, which you'll be reading about on Twitter. Uh, yeah. across I the mean, world. I'm going to try to watch them, but I will be <laughs> in like Kyoto and they yeah. will be early in the morning. So I don't know what I'll be. Yeah, uh, we might be like out doing things rather yeah. than uh, me being in no, home in bed, should. but <laughs> but you know I'll try to watch them at some point. Yeah, well, the other interesting discourse that happened this week is around Pin Badgley 
talking about <laughs> sex scenes in you. Oh, I didn't see this. <clears throat> oh, you didn't? Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Um, So he is in you, which is a Netflix show where he's a stalker and there's a lot of sex. Like, not like a lot. Like, it's not like HBO sex. Like, it's never like too gratuitous because it's Netflixy, But it's definitely like meant to be this steamy sort of like creepy show. And so as season four premiered this week, he was talking about how he asked the um, <laughs> he asked the the writer like, oh, can I just not do more intimacy scenes? And she was like, um, I guess we can slow it down. Like, we'll just do a little bit less. And he has this podcast. So you get a lot of Pin Badgley like takes on the Internet. And the way he talked about it was basically like, I just I I care about fidelity to my wife and it's just like a thing in my life where I don't feel comfortable doing it anymore. And on one hand, I'm like all for boundaries and like, you know, I don't think actors should at all be forced or feel pressured to do sex scenes. But the way he talked about it just seems like it seems like something happened in his personal relationship and he needed to tighten up <laughs> tighten up the the ship a little bit and his wife or he was maybe caught doing something and now he's all in on fidelity right and the way he talks about it just plays into this discourse that's been happening where it's sort of like this puritan kind of we don't need sex in movies and there will be like a twitter thread that goes viral every few days about like what it adds and like don't you miss the 30s 40s 50s where you could get a story without this sex. And then there's all this like weird conversations about like consent and how audience members don't consent to seeing a sex scene. And then also maybe the characters <laughs> don't consent to having an audience watch them, which that's just that's just a little too out there for me. But I've also like been someone with who's like vacillated between, you know, I think sex scenes in movies, in TV shows, often lead to people who don't have power in their discourse. Like the, like with Zendaya, who has her no nudity clause, compared to the other cast members of Euphoria who don't have that, who then have to do these weird scenes that were written by some dude and are now acting it out in front of other people. And it's like that level is kind of like, what are we doing here? What does it add? But this like turning point in the culture's zeitgeist to be like, we need to go back to having laws against sex in films just feels like a big step back into a kind of, I don't know, like criminalizing something because an individual is uncomfortable instead of that individual being responsible for screening what they intake. It just isn't a great look. Yeah. I mean, I think the censorship thing is, like, very alive and well at the moment with all of the, like, (laughs) library book bans and stuff, which is a little crazy because I feel like the – for a while, we didn't – that seemed like we were kind of done with that. You know what I mean? I think, like, in the early 2000s, you know, I remember lots of things about, like, like bookstore displays and stuff about, like, banned books and whatnot and how, you know, like, Hitler burned books and all of this. And even in my, like, very conservative circles of people, the idea of, like, banning books seemed not – great like yeah. like you know you might say like okay well our family's like not gonna read whatever yeah. but like trying to rip things off the shelf or get things you know, canceled wasn't the move where now I think it feels much more like in play for people yeah. um 
the sex scene thing, because now that you're saying this, I saw articles and tweets and stuff about sex scenes. I just didn't realize that this was the impetus for it. I mean, yeah, on the Penn Badgley specific side (laughs) of things, I think that filming sex scenes looks hella awkward. Yeah. And so if I was an actor, I probably would not necessarily want to do a bunch of them because it's like, it's very physical. You're, there's lots of, people around you know you're not wearing very many clothes it's cold like the, I, I don't know it just like does not look fun to me um yeah. but then in the same regard i'm like i don't think sex scenes are what is causing like infidelity yeah. because again you're doing something in a room that has like 70 people in it right so if you're worried about like if your wife is worried or you're worried about whatever it's like okay well i mean she can come to the set when you're doing it if you want to like yeah and if um, you're feeling feelings then you need to rethink huh why is this like turning me on what is this right. saying like about yeah me <laughs> yes um but yeah the sex scene in movies thing um you know i agree with like the sydney sweeney sort of instance of these people who are kind of being who are who are up and coming actors who are sort of forced to do like nude scenes or topless scenes just because that's how they're going to get into these movies or tv shows um and so i think that is like a class problem but as far as like watching stuff um you know it's like if you don't want to watch something you don't have to there's lots of websites online that very explicitly list like what types of scenes are in which movies and tv shows um so it's not like you don't have a resource and are going into these things blind um and yeah you know republicans they're always (laughs) they're always trying to just but that's weird it's a lot of it there's like this weird pull on the liberal side to be like we're so woke we understand the like layers of this that we don't want it like we shouldn't the consent matters and like we need to get away from it and we'll criminalize and make laws and rules and protect like it's like i just think there's this pendulum swing that comes every few you know mid-generation and it's like hmm i get that i think i mean my thought on like nudity sex needs and movies in general is Movies and TV shows and books are trying to portray things that happen in real life. And the, unfortunately, sex is something that lots of people are doing all the time and is very real um, and is very important to the procreation of the planet as well as just like romance. You know, there's there's so much sex in the world. And if you're going to be telling stories about the world, you have to be able to include that or otherwise it's like, well, what's the point? I mean, it's sort of like, I think violence is similar where, you know, is violence always like the most comfortable thing to watch? Maybe not for certain people. But if you're making a movie that's about, you know, World War Two, you can't have it be a nonviolent movie, really, because you need that in order to show like, what actually happened. So yeah, and once, I think, I think getting rid of it is rules. Yeah, like we used to in the 30s, 40s, 50s and movies, you have a whole other can of worms where it's like, well, who's making the rules? Who's deciding right. this? And it often yes. impacts minorities and um, 
lower class, like there's less, there's more control to present what they want to present, which is usually, you know, white, straight, perfect little pictures of this, you know, white picket fence world. And so if you, if your solution isn't to self, self edit, self regulate like what you see and what you intake and instead want the world to make your worldview comfortable, then that just leads to a whole mess of things. Yeah. And, and it is just silly to have these like actors be like, oh, the fidelity. Oh, like it's like this is <laughs> this is your job and you can negotiate that at your job. But to pretend to make it a moral issue that it, that applies to everyone in your industry, it's just like, well, I don't think so. Because in the same week, Alison Brie, who's acting in a movie, her husband, Dave Franco, is directing. She's having sex with this, you know, her acting partner. And she's like, yeah, I mean, we're actors. This is our job. So it's not weird that my husband's directing me here. We have an understanding. And it just seems like maybe that's a healthier take for this industry in particular. And if and I'm not saying like, I if Pin Badgley doesn't want to do sex scenes, he doesn't have to. But to pretend it's like, no one should, or this means I'm unfaithful to my wife. It's just like, well, no, that's a you yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like not wanting to do scenes where you're like stealing something in a store or yeah. whatever. It's like, because I don't agree with theft. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but you're not actually stealing anything right yeah. now. Um, uh, yes. Gotta love actors. Um, do you have anything else or should we get into love it or hate it? Um, no, we can get into love it or hate it. Okay. What did you have? You had something that you wanted to talk about? <laughs> it was just like this small corner of the internet tea about this um, creator who looks like Taylor Swift a little bit. Oh, yes. I saw this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it all started with her name's Ashley. And she started TikToking in like 20, in, during the pandemic. And people were like, you look like Taylor. And so then suddenly her content becomes much more focused on looking like Taylor where she'll like do her eye cat eye makeup her red lipstick she even does her hair like Taylor Swift and she'll like dress and she'll do like you know she'll do like oh sing along to this or you know she'll just do trends where it's sort of like Taylor specific Mm -hmm. but anyway she got this video where she was invited to the Grammys she's like oh I'm partnering with the Grammys and then she the day of the Grammys isn't at the Grammys and she posts this series of videos where she's like, I was scammed. This group told me that they were going to, that they were, they got me a ticket. I was going to walk the red carpet. I would do content videos for them. But then when I flew there on my own dime, they said, no, my ticket doesn't exist. I don't have anything. And so then everyone was like, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. The Swifties turned on her so fast and they were like, you're a creep, you're a freak. Taylor Swift probably didn't want you there because it's so weird that you just are there for her that you just look like her and that's your only Wait, so they think that popularity. She, she never went or that she didn't she did wa- not go they think that she was lying at first about being partnered with them or that she was deluding herself thinking that she'd walk the red carpet and then she someone posted this like change.org petition about like get her off she's a harassing taylor swift And then she, Ashley, creates her own petition on change.org where she's like, this is to stop cyberbullying, harassment, and defamation towards myself. Please sign to like, I I don't know what she thought would happen, but it's just like a petition to protect her from people being mean to her. Which one has more signatures? I don't know. I, I I didn't follow that. But it got enough attention that Rolling Stone interviewed her and like did a profile piece on her. 
to like get a sense of what's going on. And it's such a funny read because they seem so confused by her existence because no matter how they push her, no matter how they angle it, she insists that she's not an um, she's not like a performance. Like she's not an impersonator. She's not acting like her. She's not trying to be a Taylor Swift lookalike. She doesn't get paid to be a Taylor Swift lookalike. She's like, I'm just who I am. And if people think I look like Taylor Swift, then that's them. But I'm not like trying to be anything specific with Taylor. But it's like her favorite number is 13. She bought a cat breed, like the ones Taylor Swift has. And she named them after a, she named it after a Grey's Anatomy character, which is also what Taylor Swift did. And it's like everything she does, she like holds her pin like Taylor Swift does, which is that very unique, weird looking grip that's not norm. That's not the average way. So it's like you've built this enormous platform off of looking like Taylor Swift, but then you deny that even as she emulates the style. And then it's just like, the Rolling Stones is like, well, what are you, what are you doing here then? Like, what are you, what did you think you'd be doing at the Grammys? Like, what did you, what do you think people are watching you for if not this? And she's just like, no, it's just me. But it's, it's just like bonkers <laughs> to digest this woman's content and be like, you're not, you're not fooling us. Like, you know, like it's like someone told you you looked like Taylor Swift and sort of passing and you ran with it. And there's, that shouldn't be, you should be able to roll with that and say like, yeah. Well, because wasn't she the one who was in the video where she was at a concert or something and people thought it was Taylor? She was like walking down the street where in New York once and like a fan stopped her and she's like, oh no, oh no. And she even like talks like Taylor. Like she has these quirks in her laugh and her mannerism and the way she uses her hands to like hide a smile. Like it's just like eerie. So it seems like a lot of time and attention has gone into this. But at the same time, she's like a mother of two. She was a whole like how old is she? (laughs) I mean, I thought she was like 16. Oh, no, 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 no. It's she's like probably mid to late 30s. I'm guessing. (laughs) But yeah, it's just like and and that's the thing is like Swifties can be mean. No one deserves death, death threats like She's not going to go and murder Why Taylor Swift. Like it's not an always obsession. Always sending death threats. I, I mean, know. Like, what? Like what? I don't know. What, what is this about? Like why? I don't know. It's it's this parasocial relationship where they where stands feel like they have a personal connection to the artist, to the actor, to the star, and so when someone comes after him, it's like someone coming after your own child or partner or something, and they just lose their minds and they just act insane and i i wouldn't go to her page and like bully her or leave mean comments or whatever but it is like just a weird it's a weird <laughs> hill to but do. if she's listening to this podcast <laughs> but she will by feel bullied by this podcast yes and she might start a change petition and to get us canceled <laughs> oh my gosh we can only it. hope it seems like the easiest solution is to just stop stop you know it's like <laughs> it's a pretty could, easy fix could Especially we start change.org she's not petition, making money off of it petition to get listeners do we think yeah, <laughs> yeah. should i start <laughs> doing taylor swift impersonations yeah I feel you like should I, could do it. I think it'd be great i mean it's it's sad that her audience turned on her so fast and i'm sure that's whiplash for her but it's like she claims she wasn't making money that she wasn't even she has a million followers on tiktok but she says she's not making money through the TikToks. And so it's like, you just can stop putting on red lipstick and everyone will go away, you know, lay low for a little bit and you'll be fine. 
But instead, she's doing change petitions. She's doing profiles with Rolling Stone. Like, she's digging her heels in in a very strange way. Okay, here's a question. Do we think that this is some impossible? Uh, this is for some bid to meet Taylor. I don't know. I, because- I think at this point, well, that's the thing is Taylor Swift did comment on her video once, like a, I guess probably right when Midnight's was being teased. And she, Taylor Swift was like, I showed this to my mom and she says, you look like me or something. Like just a throwaway comment. Uh huh. And then she, <laughs> Ashley, <laughs> Was posts a video reacting to this comment where she's like weeping and she has the same curly haired banged look that Taylor Swift's been doing. And she's like, your mom is like a second mom to me. This means so much. And it's like, mm, your mom, um, uh, <laughs> you've never met her mom. So <laughs> interesting. Um, the, <laughs> the, but, but I'm wondering like, you know, cause Taylor Swift fans, like maybe she's not making money off of this or whatever, but maybe yes. she is like, you know, trying to use this as some sort of long con to meet Taylor slash be friends with her or whatever, like yeah. delusional fans do. Yeah. So maybe that it is. could be, but I think she's flown too she close to the sun at this Taylor point. was going to be at the Grammy. She's now on she... the other list. <laughs> yes. <sighs> okay. Now love it or hate it. Yeah. 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 Now love it or hate it. Um, I watched Fleischman is in trouble. Oh Finally. yeah, I did. I haven't. I haven't. Was it Honestly, good? Honestly, I didn't. It's annoying to watch. They're bad people, and you're just like, man, you guys are annoying. Like you're making. I feel your like I problems. knew you wouldn't like this show. I know. It was like good performances, and I really like Claire Danes. And the show itself is based on a novel, which does this thing where basically it's about this man who's dealing with life after a divorce and he's mopey and sad and he has two kids and then his wife disappears and kind of leaves the kids with him. And he's like, what a, what a bitch. Like, what did she do? Where'd where'd Bernadette go or whatever? But it's not like a murder mystery. He just thinks she's a dick who kind of dropped the ball. And it's told from the perspective of his friend Libby. And so she does the narration for the whole show and, and the book where it's like, explaining things from his perspective. And then at the very end, towards the very end, like in this third act, there's this twist where she sees the wife. She sees Claire Dane's character and realizes like, oh, wait, she actually had a nervous breakdown after one trauma too many. Like you get this really empathetic look at her. And it turns out the whole novel, the whole book wasn't really about him at all. It was about women and their placement in marriages and their placement in this world and trying to have it all and working and and losing themselves. And, and then even the finale is about Libby and her marriage and like what she wants to fight for and what she feels she's lost through this marriage and this choice of a, you know, the white picket fence and whatnot. And so it was like, yeah, it was like interesting, but it, these people are, these are made up problems by people who have enough money to solve their problems, which is mental illness, but instead they just have to pretend life is unfair to them. And it wasn't like, I think it's meant to like show a very specific group of people. And so it wasn't like parody or satire at all, but it's just like, I don't know. It's exhausting to spend time with them in some ways because it's like, while they acknowledge their privilege, it's also like they're not utilizing their privilege in meaningful ways and instead just focusing on these problems they have but not doing anything for them and I don't know there was this interesting article from the cut which was about um 
how these it was anonymous New York moms like in a similar similar tax bracket talking about how the Fleischman show they felt like seen for once. And it's like these sad working moms who are making like 400K a year feeling like they're still exhausted. They're still burnt out. They're still not happy. And it's like, what do we, how much money would it take to be happy? How much money? It's just like- They're making 400K a year? Wait, what are their jobs? Yeah, they're just like high profile, like, you know- you can make a lot of money in a lot of in a lot of jobs. I'll say that as a recruiter, but um, you just like they're just like there's so many rich people in New York, and they're all unhappy. Is basically the takeaway, and and it's like these moms are like, oh, I have to, I have to get my child enrolled in Russian math so they have a leg up. Like, oh, I need to, I need a second home so I can go to these parties with my friends so that my kids can have friends and know the right connections and blah blah blah. And it's just like. This woman's like, I don't have time to renovate my house and all I want in life is a bathtub. And it's just like, you guys are delusional. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, I mean, I think truly the like comparison is the thief of joy quote is so true. And when you're running in these circles that are obsessed with the weirdest crap, then it's very easy to also become obsessed with that. And then, you know, it's just like you're constantly having to try to attain these new levels and you're never satisfied. And yeah. yeah, And also I think, you know, like relationships are what makes people happy in a lot of ways. And if you are like working crazy hours and then having to step your kids all around to different things, like how much time do you have for actual like solid, like caring relationships with people? You probably don't have much. Um, and and so I think that sounds a show. Yeah. Lonely too. Um, so it's uh, fine. But but yeah, it's sort of like these are problems that you have made for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like if you decided that you didn't need to renovate your house, yeah. then like you wouldn't have that as a thing to worry about. You know, I'm not worried about renovating my yeah, exactly. house um, because it's not an option to me. So yeah, it's just like it's sad that they're unhappy with so much, but it's like I'll I'll figure it out for you. I can I can take this money and and have a good time, but. To each their own, I guess. Mm. Um, so I've been catching up on all of the Oscar-nominated movies. Mm-hmm. I think I'm down to two left that I haven't seen. Um, but so this week I watched the documentary Navalny, which is on HBO Max. Have you seen or heard about this at all? No. I feel like you would like it. It's um, So it's about uh, this Russian um, politician named Alexei Navalny, who is basically the or was, I guess, the main sort of antagonist to Putin. Um, Technically, Russia has like free elections. And (laughs) usually I think Putin sort of puts, you know, they sort of like hire somebody to run against him who is obviously weak and, you know, is sort of like under their payroll. So there's no threat in Putin losing. Um, And Navalny is actually, you know... um, someone who wants to get rid of Putin and is much more of a, you know, wants democracy and free speech and wants to change Russia and has become very, very popular and sort of is the first like actual threat to Putin in a way. Um, just because I think people in Russia are very dissatisfied, you know, there's these wars going on and, and this, the events of the documentary took place, I believe before this current iteration of the Ukrainian war, but like there's been wars going on for decades. And 
So just like this general dissatisfaction with the status quo and that they've sort of found this politician to, um, you know, sort of lead them in, in a revolution. And Putin is known for poisoning and people who are uh, against him or people that he doesn't like or people who he thinks might be, you know, trying to get power, all kinds of stuff. Russia is a very, you know, scary, dangerous place. And so several years ago, Navalny was on a plane and had like an, a, like, uh, like some sort of reaction to something like it nearly died. They had to, they had to like, emergency land the plane they had to rush him to the hospital his family were trying to get information on what was going on at the hospital and they couldn't and they wouldn't let anybody in and it was just this whole like very sort of dark situation and in the end like Navalny was um you know they like were able to get him out of the country to a hospital in Germany he was able to sort of like recuperate and get back to full strength but the whole uh point of the documentary is that this man is like believes that he has been poisoned by Putin and so it's this it's him and his family and this team of you know sort of like journalists and investigators trying to figure out what happened to him like why he had this you know a attack of some kind um who was behind it was it poison and all of this and it's a fascinating story hmm. it's it's an interesting tale um you know sort of about Russia and what it's like there but also the like journalism angle of them you know looking at sources and doing these calls and going through you know different like bank records and stuff is very very interesting and one of the I guess funny things about <laughs> Russia is you have all of these people who aren't paid very much money who are in charge of, you know, data and security and stuff. And so while it's not like the US where there's lots of public records, it's very easy to get records and files because you just have to pay these like low income people enough money to get them to give them to you. And so this investigation is like, completely unlike anything you've seen before because they're like going around basically like bribing all of these low level <laughs> Russian uh, like workers for this information. Um, but it's a very good documentary and really interesting. And especially if you don't know anything about the story, I think mm -hmm. it's fascinating to sort of like watch the twists and turns of it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's nominated for best documentary this year, which I think is a really good category. Um, and I really like this one. So interesting. Okay. Worth checking out. Perfect. Well, worth checking out too is our episode Thursday about um, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium. Yes. Quantumania. Quantumania. Yes. Yeah. Which Quantumania. everybody is saying worth checking out that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so no one good. has criticized it at all. 100% no. across the board. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we are going to maybe be the first dissenting voice. Unclear. <laughs> We'll see. You'll have to tune in. Um, yes, and that'll be our last episode with both of us until the end of March sometime when I get back from Japan. So if you yeah. are going to miss us, you better like listen. Mid-March, but yeah. Mid-March, whatever. Like early. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be back March. So. We'll figure it out. Um, okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>